Hello, and welcome to the Laverne Church of Christ podcast, and thank you for joining us. You can find us at 244 Old Nashville Highway, Laverne, Tennessee, 37086. We hope that any time you are in the area, you will stop by and join us for worship. Our Sunday morning worship is at 9 a.m., with Bible classes following. Our Sunday evening worship is at 6 p.m., and we also have a Bible study on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Since setting the timer, I've been praying all morning for God to give me enough of a voice to get through my sermon, but I can see now that that is not going to occur. So the Lord's will be done in regard to that. Um, So let's see. I've got water here, but yeah, you can go ahead and bring me that. Thank you, son. don't like calling our backups on Sunday morning and saying, hey, you got an hour you need to preach. I hate to do that. I very rarely have to. Today is a day in which I should have done that. Uh, So uh, it is what it is. Uh, I'm going to get through maybe 10 minutes of this and then we'll call it quits and I'll give the invitation. And if by some miracle I suddenly have a voice in the next 10 minutes, well then we may go for 15. But instead we're just going to go and kind of complete this series so guys upstairs, maybe give me a little volume. I'll do the best I can. Matthew 4, 18 through 22. This is the passage we've been focusing on in this series. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him, and going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending the nets. And he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. I want to ask you this morning to think about what it means to fish for people. The word men there in Matthew 4, fishers of men, is the Greek word anthropos, which is not the word for males like a grown man. It's the word for mankind, as in human beings. So Jesus promised the disciples that if they followed him, he would make them able to go fishing for people. Now, we can absolutely do what we should not do with this illustration and compare all the aspects of fishing to the aspects of evangelism. That's not the point. Jesus uses this as an illustration. It's a metaphor to say we're fishing for people. It's the same as working in the Lord's vineyards. It's the same as being a farmer and tilling the ground to bring harvest. It's the same as being a soldier in the Lord's army. All of these are metaphors. The point is not to look at the details of fishing and think that evangelism somehow is about casting nets or setting hooks. If we want to use that illustration, that's fine. But what we need to understand is that Jesus is just talking about going out into the world using his way of thinking, his way of speaking, his way of acting to connect with people, to draw them into relationship with God. That's what fishing for people means. And that is what evangelism is. And it's what we're called to do. We need to understand that as we've talked about in this series, 
that uh, discipleship begins with understanding the gospel and making the decision to obey it. And not only to obey the gospel, but to obey the Jesus of the gospel that the gospel is about. To accept Jesus as our Lord, we make the decision that we will live lives in obedience to him. Secondly, as we understand the truth that Jesus reveals, we are enlightened, as we talked about for two weeks in this series. Our eyes are open so that we understand the truth. And if our eyes have been opened to the truth, then the Bible teaches us that the kingdom of God is within us. It's in our hearts. It's in the midst of us. And therefore, we're people who are called to open up our eyes and recognize the truth about the world. Brothers and sisters, there are more than 8 billion souls in the world today. More than 8 billion souls. There are more people on the planet Earth right now than there were in all generations, in all centuries previous to the 20th century combined. In all of the centuries of the earth up until the 1900s, there were never 8 billion people. There are 8 billion people on the planet today. And of that 8 billion, only a little more than 2 billion identify as Christian. And in my understanding of the scriptures, all 2 billion plus of those are not really biblically Christians. But hey, uh, more than any other group in the world does claim to be Christian, and that's a good thing. Second, of course, is Muslim, but they're less than 2 billion. But that means that approximately one-third of the world's population claims to be or identifies as Christian. Only one-third of the world claims to be Christian, and not even that full third is. That lets us know that there are somewhere in the neighborhood of 6 billion souls on this planet. Six billion souls like you and like me. Men, women, children, husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, high class people, working class people, educated people, uneducated people, first world people, second world people, third world people. Six billion souls that inwardly are no different than you and me. And they don't know Christ. And they're going to die. And right now they're going to die in their sins. And there is only one thing in the world that can stop that. And that's the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, if you think that men like me, the men that fill pulpits, and preach publicly that that is a sufficient amount of preaching of the gospel to save the two-thirds of the world's population that don't yet know Christ, you're not thinking, man. That's not going to happen. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says that our elders and people like me are put in the church to equip you all for the ministry of the word. Every single member of the church is called to become an evangelist in your own right, at least to become a personal evangelist, meaning you're someone who shares the gospel of Jesus as a person with other individual people in one-on-one conversations, maybe across your kitchen table at home, across the table at Starbucks, or wherever it is that you might want to meet people. You share the gospel as you understand it with them. And as a central part of this lesson today, 
I want to ask everybody in this auditorium, please, if you don't already do this, add the salvation of the souls of the world to your regular scheduled disciplined prayer life. That the church would grow up in our zeal for evangelism. That if we're going to be enlightened at all, that that enlightenment will include that we understand that two-thirds of our neighbors are lost in sin and that the church of our Lord and that we as individual members of it are the only plan, the only way to save them from that. Pray that God will open up our hearts to have evangelistic zeal. I'm asking you please to make that a regular part of your life. Paul teaches us that if we follow Jesus, he will save us and all who listen to us. The gospel is so really simple. John 3, 16 tells us that it's available to anyone, anyone who will believe. Mark 16, 15 tells us that we're to take the gospel literally to every creature on the planet, every human being of every race, every nationality, every culture in the world. We're to take the gospel, teach them about Jesus. And he tells us in this passage, everyone who believes and is baptized shall be saved. This is the simple mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we all need to understand that each of us are capable of accomplishing this. I want you to just look at this screen for a moment. Now I'm going to go silent and take a drink and see if maybe I can get another two or three seconds out of my raspy voice. But I want you to just spend a moment thinking about what you see on the screen right there. of these, maybe you took a picture of the screen and that's fine and if so I hope that you will give consideration to each one of these things I want to just say a word about each and tell you what all of these six things really mean, what they really look like, be a true follower of Jesus in other words be real do you actually follow Jesus ask yourself that question when I wake up on Monday morning how long does it take me to think about the fact that I'm supposed to follow Jesus today Think about that, please. Really, truly make the decision that you belong to him. And be a sold-out follower of Jesus. That just means that every aspect of who you are belongs to him. You're his body, soul, and spirit. You believe with everything that you are. If you believe with everything you are, then you will be a disciple with everything that you do. And if this is just an aspect of your life, then you're going to spend maybe two-thirds of your time not caring about the two-thirds of the people in the world that are lost. Be a follower of Jesus in public. Now this means, do you pray for your food when you sit down at the restaurant? I hope so. You should. But I mean more than that. Like when you're talking to somebody at work around the water cooler and you got plans for Sunday. Instead of saying Sunday, how about you say to this person, this coming Lord's Day, I've got this or that planned for the afternoon. You see, so oftentimes we choose not to use the biblical words that teach us how to refer to the various aspects of our lives because we think of those as our religious words. We use those in church. We use those in conversations with members of the church. But I would never call Sunday the Lord's Day to this guy or to this lady that I don't know from Adam or Eve out there in the business place. Why not? If you're a true follower of Jesus and sold out, 
How about you be what you are in church, in public? Brothers and sisters, that is one of the fundamental keys of becoming a soul winner. Because when you say, I've got plans for this Lord's Day, the person who's not a member of the church is going to immediately recognize that is not the language that normal people use in our culture. You've sown a seed. Now water that seed. Develop a relationship. Be a bold follower of Jesus. Bold. Hear people in conversations, even in grocery stores. I'm not telling you that I'm the perfect example of this, but I'll use myself as an example. I have corrected two people talking in a grocery line before who were absolutely misrepresenting the truth of Scripture because if it's false, it's false. And how can I stand by and listen to somebody deceive another human being even if it's at a grocery store line in public? Now, in no way should you be aggressive or mean or sound angry but be bold with the proclamation of the gospel of Christ and the truth. You will not save very many souls if you're afraid to boldly correct error. You've got to. If you're going to be like Jesus, read through the gospels and see if Jesus ever left false teaching just sitting there for people to swallow. He did not, nor should we. Be a growing follower of Jesus. None of these qualities are natural. The things that develop through the process of transformation that comes from pursuing and seeking the Holy Spirit of God. Certainly be a sacrificial follower of Jesus. And if nothing else, sacrifice your comfort zone, my brothers and sisters in Christ. You see there in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, a simple statement of the gospel plan of salvation. Brothers and sisters, our task is this, to teach, to baptize, and to teach Three things. That's our whole job, really. To teach, to baptize, and to teach. We teach people the basics of the truth of the gospel. And I just want to summarize that by saying the tomb is empty. And if the tomb is empty, then everything Jesus said is right. If the tomb is empty, everything he gave to the apostles is true. If the, true is, if the tomb is empty, the Bible is the word of God. If the tomb is empty, there's only one way to heaven, man, and that's through the cross of Christ. But let's not focus on the negative. If the tomb is empty, there is a way to heaven. And that is the good news that we get to share with the lost and dying of the world. And remember, over two-thirds of the people that you meet in life are not presently heading to heaven. Tell them the tomb is empty. Tell them how to obey that truth, to be baptized into Christ's death. You immerse into his death and you, you rise out from those waters into the life of the empty tomb and into its hope. And then we spend the rest of our lives teaching each other the whole counsel of God so that we can grow up to understand what God's will is for us. And brothers and sisters, that is what discipleship is. Jesus said he came to seek and save the lost. The church, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, is his body, the fullness of him. 1 John 4, 17, the Bible says, as Christ is, so are we in this world. And so if Jesus came in this world to save souls, then brothers and sisters, it's our job in this world to save souls. How's that for a short lesson? If you're subject to the invitation this morning, come as we stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. If you have any questions, please email them to us at office at lavernecoc.org. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.